I want to share with you a word that the Lord placed upon my heart, and it pertains to love. Now, I title the message, Unprecedented Love, because it's a love that none of us have really experienced until we come to Christ. The scripture will say in 1 John in chapter 4, in verse 7 and 8, and I'm going to read it to you. It's from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And when you read this portion of Scripture, it's coming to us in the English language, but it, it draws from a particular Greek word that we're familiar with called uh, agape. And agape is a unique Greek term, and it's found in the New Testament, the Koine Greek of the New Testament, referred to as the common Greek, the vernacular Greek, uh, that one that was spoken in the marketplace among the people. But yet agape, you could find it in the classical Greek language and the Homeric Greek language because there it is found, but it's really not pregnant with the meaning that we have from the New Testament. Though you'll find agape used in the classical writings, its use in the New Testament is unique. It's like God took this term agape and baptized it with a whole new understanding and revelation. And I felt in my heart that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and to me a deeper and more profound understanding and revelation of his love. And not to have it distorted by a society that has corrupted our understanding of love. When the Bible says, beloved, let us agape one another, for agape is of God. And everyone who agapes is born of God and knows God. He who does not agape does not know God, for God is agape. You see, in the language of the New Testament, the Greek language, there's four different words that are used to describe love. But agape is the one that captures the very essence of this divine love, a love that's embodied by Jesus Christ. And it's a love that has been distorted and confused, maligned, assaulted, and attacked in our society. Because people have their definition of love that is really at variance with the workable biblical definition of love according to the Bible. This is an unprecedented type of love. Never really known until you experience that love that comes directly from God. A love that comes directly from Him. It might precipitate the question, you know, what manner of love is this? And the Bible actually responds to that in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 when it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. What manner of love. Manner. It's a unique word. Patapas is the word. It actually can be translated in the form of a question when the word is used, manner. It means, for what country has this come from? I know it seems strange, but that word, again, it's a very unique Greek word, 
and it's used here, and the translators put it as manner because the word carries the idea of creating a sense that this is so unusual, so unique, that no one has ever really experienced it. What manner, what, what country did this come from? What place did this arrive from? And the interpretation is it is so unique, so unusual, so strange that no man, no human has ever experienced it until they encounter God. The unique love of God. And his love manifests by giving birth to us becoming children of God, children of God. A love that births sonship and daughterhood. The scripture will say in John chapter 1 and verse 12, to as many as received him, that is receiving Jesus Christ, God empowers them to become his children. Wow. What transformation. Not just becoming good, but becoming his son and his daughter. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 and verse 17 says, you become therefore a, a new creation. You become an absolute new creation in Christ. His love descends on your life. What manner of love is this? Wow, never been experienced before. Not a love that we see or observe in society or expressed by from one human to another interpersonally, but a love that finds its genesis and its origin from the very heartbeat of Almighty God. What manner of love is this? It's a love that can create life, being born again becoming a son and a daughter of the Most High, literally becoming a whole new creation. Now you're enveloped with a deep awareness of God affirming you, that sense of belonging, that deep sense of purpose and significance and value. Boy, when you have that on the inside, it turns the lights on. It doesn't allow you to fall into the despair that many of us heard about in the media this past week of two big celebrities taking their life. A darkness, a despair that sent, descended over them that being known or having a whole lot of money did not shield them from that darkness. But God penetrates our heart with his immense, immeasurable, majestic, all-encompassing, powerful love. What manner of love is this? That God allows us to become his son and his daughter and gives us that affirmation and that significance and that value and that purpose that causes the lights to be turned on for us to know, wow, my identity is rooted in him, my personality is being shaped and fashioned by him, and I have an awesome destiny to fulfill on this earth. And no situation or person or individual is going to rob me of that because I'm enveloped and shielded by God's love. I am his daughter, I am his son, and I'm going to walk in that. Now, I want you to follow this. Because you are birthed into the kingdom, God places into you a seed. It's recorded in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. That seed is the ability to love 
the way God loves. This is the marketable difference between the way the world loves and the way you and I, as his son and daughter, will love. 1 John 3, 9 says, a seed has come into you. It's God's seed, giving you the potential and the ability not only to be a recipient of agape love, but to allow that agape love to flow through your life to impact and influence others. Lord, baptize me, inundate me, fill me with that agape love so that I can do agape unto others, that I won't do it the way the world does it. They manufacture a workable definition of love that's completely at variance with the teachings of the New Testament on what love actually is. You know, many times we think, wow, the way love is looked at in our society means you have to be kind of artificial with any sense of conviction. You have to have convictions and mores that are flexible and adaptable. They're compromising. The big word that is stuffed into our workable definition of love is tolerance. You have to accept everything and everyone and approve of everything and everyone. I'm okay, you're okay, everything is fine. So it becomes weak and insipid and soft and superficial. It has very few convictions. It doesn't have any defining boundaries. It's arbitrary at its very best. It's not clear, it's not concise, it's not defining. It's just open arms. I love you, you love me, hey, whatever you are, whatever you want to do, it's all fine, it's all okay. That's love. It's just kind of sloppy, and it's pregnant again with tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Dr. Hayakawa, a great, noteworthy English scholar, said the meaning is not so much in the word, it's in the person. And our society takes a word and breathes into it, and then puts it into our heart. And so we start having all these different connotations of how we are to interpret what love is. And so we get confused. We say God t challenges us to love others. What does that mean? Is it, is it all encompassing? Uh, do I just embrace everything? Do I accept everything? Do I approve of everything? Am I allowed to articulate a standard? Could love actually confront or challenge or correct? Is that allowable? I'm confused because don't we define agape love as unconditional love? And unconditional means there's no conditions, there's no standards, there's no norms. So I guess that's the way I'm supposed to love others. And we miss the teachings of the New Testament in our understanding the application of this Love that is to flow through our life. And I think our, one of our starting points would be the scripture in 1 John 4, 8 that says, Theos agape estin. God is love. God. Now note the position. God is love. Agape. That means love is not God. Because if we restructure it in that way, we allow society to superimpose their definition, their connotation, their perception, interpretation, and application of what love should be. But God says, no, no. I'm the essence of love. 
Jesus Christ is the embodiment of love. Therefore, if we're going to develop an understanding of agape, if we're going to develop an understanding of biblical divine love, who God is defines what love is. It's not love is God. God is love. I've got to look at God to determine how I understand love in my life. That means you and I have got to do a serious walkthrough of the Old and New Testament and hang out with God and look and observe Jesus to determine what is this love. If he is the embodiment of love, if he's the full manifestation and display of love, then I've got to look at him. What did he say? What did he do? How did he respond? And I've been a student of it for 45 years, and I'll tell you, Jesus wasn't sloppy. He wasn't arbitrary. He defined things that were right and wrong. If you're not sure, just read Matthew chapter 5. There in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount, he defines things that are right and wrong. When I look at Jesus in the New Testament, I find him being very compassionate and very merciful and very understanding and being very sensitive. And sometimes he was silent, sometimes he would speak, and sometimes he would shout in the expression of that love. At other times, when I follow Jesus and I, and I observe his love and the manifestation of it, I find it's, it's in your face, confrontational, challenging, extremely convicting, even corrective in its very heartbeat in nature. So if I'm going to develop my personal understanding of love, agape, you know, sometimes I, I, I dismiss just using the generic general term love because, you know, in, in our vernacular, our everyday conversation, you know, I love this and I love my cat and I love my dog. I love the house. I love this. I love the soup. I love, 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 love. It loses its meaning. So I start saying, you know what? I'm going to do agape today. I'm going to do agape today. I want that divine love flowing through my life. That I determine what it looks like, how it behaves, how it responds, how it communicates, how it interprets things solely in basis on who he is. That biblical agape love is selfless, it's sacrificial, it's strong, it's stable, and the genesis of its standards come directly from God. So I'm going to look at God and say, okay, that's how love is to be expressed. That's what I want flowing through my life. Now, that doesn't mean you become cantankerous and mean-spirited. It doesn't mean you become angry and you justify it and say, hey, I know you want some sloppy love, but I'm going to give you God's love. Listen, Ephesians 4.15 says, you speak the truth in love, not in rejection. Some people will speak the truth well, I'm going to just tell you how it is, but they speak the truth in rejection. When you speak the truth in love, you are reaching to help and to rescue and to show mercy and compassion. You're speaking the truth. You're not being arbitrary. It's not nebulous or ambiguous. There are clear standards. Things are defined. But you're reaching to rescue and to help, and it's from your heart that is filled and touched yourself by God's agape. 
The Lord wasn't confusing when he identified you and I as sinners, Romans 3.23. His love spoke. He said, you're a sinner. And you fall short of the standard of God. But he provides a free gift in his son. And in Romans 5, it says, even while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us by reaching to us to rescue us. So even though biblical agape love rejects evil, it also comes to help those who have been impacted by evil to help them and rescue them and deliver them. So it doesn't run away, it runs to. It doesn't become haughty, egotistical, and high-minded, classing yourself above another. Because the scripture says love is not puffed up, it's not prideful, it's not egotistical, it's not haughty. Love reaches. Agape. I'd like you to say that in your own heart. I want to do agape today. I want to do agape 24-7. And I want that agape to be defined by the standards of God, the character of God, the attributes of God, what he says and what he does. And I want that flowing through my life to others. That's the best way I can really help someone. Sometimes we get things distorted in our witness. We say, well, I'm going to try to love people. I'm just going to just accept them and approve of everything and just wrap myself around them. And that's it. I just love you. I love you. I love Don't ask me if what you're doing is right or wrong. I won't define right. I won't define wrong. I won't define, define what's up and down and what's dark and light. I won't do that. I won't do it. And it just becomes sloppy and soft. And you're really not helping them at all. You might say, well, I'm, I'm just trying to relate with them. Remember, God has not called us just to relate to the sinner. He wants us to rescue. You and I needed to be rescued. I needed to be rescued. I needed someone to shoot it straight to me. That you have sinned. You have fallen short of the standards of God. But he's reaching to you. He comes to bring you deliverance and freedom and liberty and forgiveness. That's what's unconditional about God's love. What's unconditional is he doesn't stop reaching anyone and everyone. And so we must do the same. We can't have a prejudice in our heart and make conditions of who we reach out to. No, not when you have agape flowing through you. When you have agape flowing through your life, you don't stop reaching if you don't like the color of their skin. Race, nationality, ethnicity, gender, education, status does not stop you from reaching to them. That's what's unconditional about agape. Even those people that you don't like and you're waiting for them to be engulfed by the flames. Yeah. Unconditional agape love says I'm going to reach to them. They, they're mean. They're nasty. They've maligned you. They've assaulted you. They, they've belittled you. They've attacked you. You can't wait for them to come under judgment. You can never let that be a wall or a roadblock. Not with agape. Because agape there is unconditional I don't care if you're tall or small I don't care if you are of this ethnicity or that nationality or that race I don't care if you're educated or uneducated wealthy or poor I don't care if I like your personality or don't agape forces me to reach to you love is everything God says and everything he does as I mentioned earlier society 
does us a great disservice and a lot of times we buy into it because we get saturated with it by the media, by the behavior of professors, comedians, even politicians, friends. They just kind of soften it all up. Look, you know, you need to have flexible values and adaptable convictions and kind of have an eclectic approach to things, circumstantial um, ethics. Let that, just, let that be the de- defining expression of love through your life. Let love manifest by basically accepting and approving everything. Please don't be mean. Would you please, as a Christian, show a little kindness by being understanding, a little bit more flexible, and just love them, and love them by not sharing all your convictions and values and standards and what's right and wrong. Can't you just be tolerant? So you almost want to cower back and say, wow, I don't want to come across that way. You know, look, look at him. He's just embracing everyone. Everyone's saying, look, isn't that beautiful? Look at that love right there happening. Just hugging on everybody. You have to stop. At those moments, you have to stop and say, Lord, I don't want the agape you've put in me, the seed that you've put in me, that's exemplified by the life of Christ, embodied by his behavior, actions, conduct, and speech, and everything he did. I don't want it to be distorted. I don't want it to be diluted. I don't want to be confused in this. Show me, God, how do I love in this moment? And there will be moments when Jesus will have you be silent, and other times he'll have you speak with understanding. Even though you're taking a stand, you communicate it with understanding. There's some times when you're going to have to shout strong, and you may not be liked or appreciated in your given profession. But love is more so much more than the way the world sees it. God's unconditional agape love is not accepting and approving of everything. That's a misinterpretation. Remember, you're not gonna find unconditional as a statement used in the New Testament teachings. That's theologians and Bible teachers and pastors and preachers who have decided to define agape as unconditional. I get it, but you have to make sure we understand what unconditional means when we talk about agape. Rather, unconditional agape love reaches and helps everyone. As I said that earlier, I just underscored again because sometimes that point's got to really be driven in. Okay, unconditional love, agape love, doesn't mean it's without conditions and standards and norms and right and wrong. The Bible itself says God will not deny himself. He identifies himself as righteous and holy. He doesn't make that arbitrary. So I realize, wow, okay, it's not the removal of that. It's the establishment of understanding that it's my reach and my help to everyone without any discrimination. That's the agape. 
that needs to flow through my life and your life. We could find it inherently built right into the, one of the most famous scriptures that all of us are familiar with in John 3.16. For God so loved, that's agape, the world that he gave, that's a tangible, concrete expression of love, giving, his only son, that whoever, wow, that's the broad stroke now. That's the unconditional dynamic of agape. Everyone, it doesn't matter who you are, the reach is extended to you. Whoever believes in him should not, now here it is, perish. That doesn't mean just die. It's not the cessation of life. It means you don't come under judgment. Why? Because you didn't meet conditions and standards. So when you're talking about love here, love reaches unconditionally, but love also properly judges with conditions. God is saying here, you will perish. There are conditions and standards, right and wrong, that has not been met. Oh, you're being me. No, I'm loving. That's agape happening. Not your tainted, distorted interpretation of love defined by a society that is so skewed off course. No, agape says you're being reached to unconditionally by Almighty God, ready to rescue you, help you, restore you, lift you, deliver you, liberate you. But there are conditions and there are standards. And if they're not met, you will perish. The wages of sin is death. His love, we see it at Calvary. That's why the Apostle Paul, talk about someone having an understanding and revelation of agape. He's the same one who will pen in Romans eleven twenty nine, Romans eleven twenty two. Behold the mercy and the severity of the Lord. As it says in Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There was a comprehension and understanding. There is a holy God with standards. And there is judgment. And when we look through the lens of Calvary and we look through the lens of the cross, we see the fullness of his mercy and his judgment. His love flows through our life as we reach to give to others. You know, love, agape, never stops giving. See, that's the reach. It's this unrelenting reach of God. Anytime a couple will stand up here and I have the honor of officiating a wedding, I will tell them, you know, when I look at 1 Corinthians 13, a demonstration of agape love, it's like it has two arms. If you were to synthesize and pull it in, it's like it has two arms. One arm is giving, and the other arm is forgiving. And I tell that couple, I believe you'll have a very successful marriage. Not perfect. Successful. Success means when you make a mistake, you learn from it, so you're not doomed to repeat it again. You can have not a perfect, but a successful, strong, and stable marriage if you purpose in your heart 24-7 to let that manifest through your life. The agape love of God that never stops giving and never stops forgiving.
Because in a marriage relationship, you're going to have plenty of opportunities every day to give and to forgive, to give and to forgive. But that's the reaching, that's the reaching of agape, an unrelenting reach. Boy, I know you've hurt me, you've been unkind to me, you've been like an enemy to me, but I'm not going to stop giving and I'm not going to stop forgiving. Now that's when, that's when it becomes, it, it takes it away from being ambiguous now and now it becomes concrete and practical, not just conceptual or philosophical. Now I know, wow, the way I'm going to do agape with Diane, the way I'm going to do agape with others is I'm not going to ever stop giving and never stop forgiving and reaching an unrelenting reach. God's agape love is connection. It's not just contact. You know, when we talk about that agape, does it incorporate feelings and emotions? Sure it does. But at its very core, its very nucleus, it's commitment. It's connection. It would be like uh, Diane standing next to me here and if I was leaning shoulder to shoulder. That's contact. That's touch. That's emotion. But connection is when I grab her hand and she grabs mine. Agape is connection. Agape is, is the grip. Agape is commitment. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. It's not just the, the lean, the contact, the touch. It's the connection, the commitment, the grip. Now, the feelings are there. Diane, if you're here, I, I'm committed and connected, and I, I have feelings for you, too. Agape, love that flows through our life. And then... God's agape love, and again, I'm going to encourage you to say, you know, I want to do agape today. I want to do agape tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, for the rest of my life. I want to do agape. I don't want to do that sloppy love that the world talks about. I want to do agape. God is agape. God is love. There's no fear in his love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Now, the way the world loves, there's a lot of fear in it because it's performance, and if people are going to accept you or not accept you on the basis of that, it just ebbs and flows like a roller coaster ride. But agape in you and me, there's no fear. No fear. You know the most often given command in the Bible? Fear not. You'll find that command more than any other command. Now, do not lie, do not commit adultery. Most often given command is fear not. So the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear, according to the Bible. Because when love shows up, agape love shows up, it pushes fear out. And boy, I, I experienced that in my life because I, I had an inordinate amount of fears in my life. Fear of rejection, fear of ridicule, fear of being hurt, fear of being misunderstood, fear of not being accepted, fear of failure, biggie. I was a perfectionist, whew, that was a biggie, I'm gonna fail. And when agape comes in, it removes the fear. And then another beautiful promise is agape's love is invincible. What a description is given to us in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8 when it says, love never fails. The actual rendering out of the Greek language is love never falls. Now, I'm not attacking a phrase that's common in our vernacular when we say, hey, you're falling in love, but it's easily, actually it isn't biblical. You don't fall when you walk in love. Love never falls. 
I'm going to ask those who are preparing communion now that they would prepare the elements for us to partake of. I'm going to ask you as you're sitting there that you would allow this maybe to be a, a moment where you say, Lord, I think I've had some distortions. I think I've had some misinterpretations of what love really is. I think I've allowed society to capitalize on that emptiness and to superimpose and deposit into me some type of definition of love. Maybe for you it's just all feeling oriented. And any time you think of God and his love or loving people, it's just all feeling, it's all emotion. It's so much more than that. Or maybe for you, like many, many Christians, especially in America, love is expressed by just acceptance and approval and the big hug and the big smile. I'm here to affirm you, man. I'm here to encourage you, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be an agent that's going to press on you. But see, sometimes we think that is, you know what, that could be like a, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between a knife in the hand of a murderer and a scalpel in the hand of a surgeon. They're both going to pierce you. One wants to destroy you, one wants to bring healing. So when you say, you know what? I'm not going to be arbitrary, unclear, and ambiguous. You're sharing heart to heart with me about your sexual preference. You decided to go into that lifestyle. That's not the moment for us to be arbitrary and unclear. But it's also not the moment for us to be unkind, mean-spirited, and haughty. It's the moment for us to say, listen, and believe me, I've had it in my own personal life with some very close to me. I said, I love you with an agape love. And that agape love doesn't say I accept this and approve of it because there are clear standards that God has expressed and I will honor them. So my convictions will not become flimsy. My mores will not become flexible. My understanding of what's right and wrong is not going to become adaptable to your particular situation. If I'm going to really love you, I'm going to speak the truth to you in love and reach with a hand that says I'm here to help and to rescue and to bring you into the place that God really has for you. It might be received, it might not, but I have to realize Jesus didn't mamby-pamby. He spoke things Honestly and truthfully, he made them crystal clear. To hurt them, no, to heal them and to bring deliverance. Is there an individual in your life that you know it's compromised their lifestyle? If you've been silent, maybe God is saying, I need you to be a voice of my agape. I need you to be a voice of my agape. Because see, I don't want them to get all alone in that place of darkness because you refused to bring the light because you thought, no, no, the light's going to offend them. The light's going to hurt them. The light is going to, to get them mad and angry. But because you didn't bring the light, they remained in darkness. And then you get the phone call. They took their life. Because dark, darkness is, is dangerous. It's It's vile. It, it's insidious. It wraps itself around and strangles everything out of you. Darkness is why Jesus, it says, for this purpose came the Son of Man, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus was passionate when it came to darkness because he knew darkness would destroy a life. 
You read about these different individuals, it, 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 break, it breaks my heart. I thought, who wasn't there for them to speak the truth? Who was there that kind of came that sloppy love? Hey, it's all okay, everything's fine, Shh, keep living that way. No! No, it's not. I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm going to reach to you. I want to see you rescued. I want to see you delivered because that darkness and demons are here to destroy you. I've come, Jesus said, to give life in that more abundantly. But the devil, he comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. So may God empower us as we experience, even through communion, how tangible, how real it is, and how it gets on the inside. Listen, I know it's on the heart of the Holy Spirit to say to you that, that you've been touched by agape love, and he wants that agape love flowing through you. You don't have to be afraid. Let his agape love flow through your life. Father, we thank you for your overwhelming love, agape, that you have descended over our lives. And now as we partake of this, that sacred table that you've provided for us, the Lord has brought you into the light. I really feel in my hope and by, by the Holy Spirit, I'm to reiterate this again. There are individuals around you, please hear me. They are in darkness. They're in darkness, deep darkness. And if your love is saying to you, don't bring them the light, because that light's gonna illuminate things and embarrass them, make them angry. And whatever bridge you thought you had, it's gonna become a wall. God's saying to you, bring them the light. Bring them the light to rid them of this darkness that will take their life. You've been entrusted with agape. Agape is strong. Agape will bring healing. Agape will bring deliverance. God is going to place agape on your tongue, in your countenance, through your actions, through your reach to rescue. Don't be afraid of their response. Be more concerned about the consequence if you don't bring light into their darkness. I know that's a word from him. As you hold that bread up, it is a sacred symbol of his broken body, his light that was brought into you and into me. As I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke and said, now take and eat this, because agape is connection with me on the inside. I bring light into you. Let's partake together of the bread, a sacred symbol of his presence, his body with you. As you lift that cup up now, the cup is the cup of the new covenant in his blood. The agape expression of that sacrificial selfless love that reached to bring cleansing. Cleansing. 
It didn't ignore the reality of sin. It brought the remedy, the remedy, the remedy for sin. So Lord, we thank you for this juice that is a sacred symbol of the blood of your agape and your light brought to us on the inside. May we bring it to others. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand, can we, and just, would you say, oh God, I want to do agape. Let that agape love be in me and flow through my life. Let every perverted, deluded, distorted understanding of love be removed from me. May I walk as your son and as your daughter, filled with the seed of agape through my life. As his child, I pray this blessing over your life. That as you've been impacted by agape, you've been impacted by agape. May you be blessed to let agape flow through your life and impact and influence others. As his son and daughter, free of any fear, and baptized in divine love, perfect love, agape love, in you and flowing through you. I pray this blessing on you now for all the days of your life, that real love will flow through you. In Jesus' name, would you say I receive this blessing? God bless you. All right. Go agape.